right now. Today is the day that you choose to change the rest of your life. It is time to turn your setback into the greatest comeback story ever told. And nobody is more capable than you. This is the Ranting Weight Watcher Podcast, the future number one weight loss podcast in the world. I am your host, Donato Russo. I hope you enjoy the show today. If this is your first time here and you enjoy the show, please subscribe and spread the word of the Ranting Weight Watcher podcast wherever you are and to whomever will listen. If you'd like to connect on social media or wherever else, check out my Linktree page, Linktree forward slash the Ranting Weight Watcher. Let's connect today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 114 of the Ranting Weight Watcher podcast. If this is your first time here, welcome to the show. If you enjoy it, please consider subscribing and spreading the word of the Ranting Weight Watcher. Well, I got a packed show. Let's get into this. Journey updates. We had a gain this week, two pound gain. That would be two weeks in a row with a gain. For the month of October at this point, we are up 2.2 pounds. Total loss since January 2019 is 152.4 pounds. Total pounds remaining to get to milestone 175 is 22.6 pounds. Total pounds remaining to get to milestone 200 is 47.6 pounds. Now that's two gains in a row. And if you've been listening to me for any amount of time, you know I never make a change unless we have three gains in a row. Because three gains shows me that there's a trend and there's something that needs to be fixed. So I never make a move unless there's three gains. As of right now, there are a couple of things I have lined up that I suspect might help me, but I will only implement those ideas if Saturday, this coming Saturday, shows me a gain. So until then, it's on hold and we will wait for the third gain. So today, I want to talk about indulging not just because it's the holiday season, but indulging in general. I would love to have the conversation. First of all, let me say this. I'm not going to tell you not to indulge. That's not what this episode's about. But I do want you to know what the true cost of indulging is. Simple questions here. How often would you say you indulge? Is it on a weekly basis? Is it on a monthly basis? Is it on a daily basis? Is it during holidays only? Think about that for a minute. How often do you indulge? We are approaching a time of year where indulging is going to be as normal as... Noonday lunch. 
It's just that time of year. It's just the thing to do this time of year. And if we are not careful, we can cause huge problems this time of year because of how much we want to indulge. As I've been talking about the last few weeks, so many of us get so deep into that indulgence that we don't want to see the scale result. We already know that it's going to be bad, but we'd rather put our head in the sand like an ostrich and ignore it for the entire three months of this time of year. And ignoring it and pretending the indulgence isn't going to cause a problem doesn't stop it from causing a problem. Again, I'm going to say I'm not against you indulging. I'm against you not knowing what it really costs. I'm against you ignoring what you're truly doing. So yes, holidays is definitely an easy time of year to indulge. I mean, we are days away from Halloween candy being all over the house, right? I don't have it in the house yet. I know my wife is planning on waiting until the last minute to buy it in the hope that it would go on sale because from what I'm hearing, Halloween candy is way up this year. The cost is just, we live in a very different America right now and costs of everything are going up and Halloween candy is one of those things that has gone up. And if you ask me, this entire holiday, it's all worthless. For the amount of money I spend on costumes and candy for other kids, if I invested half of that in candy just for my daughter and skipped the costume, <laughs> I'd be making out on the money. But that just makes me a bad guy if I talk like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> when I talk common sense, that just makes me the bad guy. But see, Halloween is just the first day that the candy exists. No one ever opens the candy before Halloween. It may be in your house right now and it may not be open yet. Or you might be in a dangerous situation. It might already be open. In which case, by the time Halloween gets here, you may need to buy another one. But whatever the case may be, it's there. And the problem is, it is going to be there after the holiday. It's, it's a guarantee. How many people actually run out of candy that they hand out on Halloween? And how many people with young kids hand out candy on Halloween and then also take their own child out to get candy on Halloween? So how much candy is actually sitting in the house on November 1st? That's the real question. How much candy is sitting in the house on November 1st? Because Halloween is only one day. And what is the true cost of that Halloween candy? The thing that many people can't seem to say no to. As time progresses, we, get, we approach Thanksgiving. So how long between Hall Halloween and Thanksgiving does the candy last? So Thanksgiving this year is the 24th, I believe, of November. And so we're, we're basically a month away from Thanksgiving. 
So the 24th approaches. At what point do you think the, the Halloween candy is officially gone? Is it November 15th? How much time do you have to recover between the time that you guys finish the Halloween candy and you move on to Thanksgiving? And with Thanksgiving is its own indulgence altogether. It's never just the day. Because in that day, Thanksgiving, there is so much work involved that that meal can have leftovers that lasts weeks. And you turn it into completely different meals. You know, turkey, soup, all kinds of other things you could do with turkey. Or you just keep pulling it out, you keep reheating it, you keep making a new Thanksgiving plate until you're blue in the face and you can't stand it anymore. But that's also an indulgence that sticks around. It doesn't go anywhere. Especially, so not only included in that leftover section is the actual turkey, the stuffing, the yams, the cranberry sauce, and whatever else, corn, you name it. It's not just the meal. The dessert is lying around too. The apple pie, the pumpkin pie, whatever other pie. You're not going to throw that away. Now it's only once a year, especially if you make that pumpkin pie. You're not going to throw that away. But how long? How long past Thanksgiving do those things exist until you start to make Christmas cookies? How long are you surrounded by this stuff? And how often will just the sight of this stuff cause you to indulge? Everything has a cost. Everything. And then as we approach Christmas, Christmas is two days for most people. And then you got Hanukkah, which is eight days. I don't know how the eating goes of Hanukkah. Do you have a big feast every night for eight nights? I have no idea. Or is it just one night at the end that you have the big feast? Either way, there are going to be leftovers involved regarding Christmas And there are going to be leftovers involved regarding Hanukkah and whatever other holidays fall in the month of December. All kinds of leftovers. All kinds of baking. All kinds of sugar. Just sitting around. And if you're anything like in this house, because we we restrict candy, a lot of the times the Halloween candy is still around too at Christmas. The Halloween candy is still around well into the new year because of how much it's restricted. But how many times will the sight of these things cause you to indulge? And do we know the true cost of what it would be to indulge on these things at times where you wouldn't normally indulge then that's not the end of indulging there's there's people that go out every saturday night every sunday night 
every Friday night. And you could easily say they indulge one of those three, or if not all three of those nights. And they do that on a weekly basis. If you add that behavior to the holiday season, that's what makes the holidays extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous. And then when you add that behavior to the rest of the year, how much time do you really have to recover from what indulgence cost you on the holiday? What is the true cost of indulgence? There is a way to measure it. I'm going to go over that after the break. Don't go anywhere. I now present to you the Ranting Weight Watcher Accountability Creed. If you choose this day to say this creed, you are accountable to me, the author. You are also accountable to all of those before you who have taken the creed and all of those after you who will take the creed. But most of all, you are accountable to yourself. Now recite with me the accountability creed. Nothing can stand in my way because I choose to be unstoppable. My challenges crumble in my presence because I choose strength when I am weak. My insecurities have no power over my life because I choose confidence in the face of fear. I own every last one of my mistakes because I choose growth over mediocrity. The mirror and the scale are powerless because I move forward in spite of the result. Circumstances are not obstacles because I see solutions instead of problems. The demons of my past can no longer torment me because I choose to renew my mind daily. All things are possible as long as I believe because if God is for me, who can be against me? This is the creed I declare each day. It is about what I do, not what I say. I will learn the work that needs to be done. I will never stop, even when I've won. I will work consistently, no matter the cost. I refuse to believe that all hope is lost. I will work when I want to. I will work when I don't. I will work when they are cheering. I will work when they won't. I will work when it's easy. I will work when it's hard. The atonements that I've made are made with no regard. I will work when it's cold. I will work when it's hot because choices have consequences, justified or not. When I think I know it all, I will start back at one because regardless of what I think, the work is never done. And from this moment forward, when times are tough, I choose to believe that I am enough.
And now it's time for random facts you didn't know you needed to know with the Ranting Weight Watcher. Today's random fact comes from our listener, Roxanne of Los Angeles, California. The title of the fun fact is called 10 Fun Facts About Halloween. Number one, the original jack-o'-lanterns were made from turnips, not pumpkins. Huh, I didn't know that. Number two, it is believed that Halloween originated in Ireland. Number three, the haunted cave, haunted house in Ohio is the longest. It is 3,564 feet long and 80 feet below ground. Number four. According to the National Retail Federation, in 2018, Halloween spending totaled roughly $9 billion. Number five. Samhainophobia is the fear of Halloween. Samhainophobia? I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but... <laughs> Whatever it is. Number six, nearly nine billion pieces of candy corn were produced in 2016, according to National Confectioners Association. Number seven, Harry Houdini died on Halloween in 1926 from a ruptured appendix. Number eight, more than twice as much chocolate is sold for Halloween as much as for Valentine's Day. Number nine. The last time there was a full moon on Halloween was October 31st, 2001. The next one will not occur until October 31st, 2020. Well, that's already happened. Number 10. In the UK, white cats are considered bad luck, whereas in the US, it's black cats that are considered bad luck. Well, thank you for this contribution to the fun facts segment. If you're wondering why I read that today, it is because of a long fear of mine stemming back to the fourth grade of reading aloud that I am trying to defeat. So I had developed this segment of the show, the random facts or fun facts that I read every week. And it's the one segment of the show that it is not edited. It is simply the raw audio And we do it this way because I want to be able to gauge whether or not I am improving. But if you would like to contribute to this, simply send an email to therantingweightwatcher at gmail.com. That is therantingweightwatcher at gmail.com. In the subject line, make sure you put random facts or fun facts so that I know not to open the email until right before I start recording. I hope you guys have contributions. We have a bunch lined up here. And I kind of jumped ahead for this one because I saw a, a theme that it said in the subject line was for Halloween. So I jumped ahead, but we'll go back to the other ones as scheduled for next week. So now, let's get back to the show. And we are back. Thanks for sticking with me. You know, about 70% of all lotto winners either lose or spend all of that money in five years or less from the day they won it. 
Don, what does this have to do with anything? Do you know that nearly 80% of all people who join weight loss programs and get to their ideal weight, 80% of them end up regaining everything back? What do you think these two people have in common? The person who wins the lottery and the person who gets to their goal weight, what do you think they have in common? Neither of them ever changed the behavior that put them in the position in the first place. The person who won the lottery never changed anything about what made them live broke before they win, won the lottery. And the person that gained all of their weight back never learned what it would take to keep the weight off. Just the same. They went right back to living the way they used to live before they did all that work. Now, why did I tell you all of this? I tell you this because behavior change is the most important of all the things you need to learn if you're ever going to get to your goal weight, whatever that number is, however far you are from it. If you're ever going to get there, Behavior change is more important than everything else. Because if you never change the behavior, you will, are guaranteed to get back to where you came from. If you spend your entire life substituting just with different kinds of food the same behavior... What does it matter if you're binge eating on apples or you're binge eating on potato chips? Eventually, the apples will go right back to being potato chips because you don't change the binging behavior. Now, let me ask you this. Do you believe that your indulgences these indulgences that you think you deserve, because most of us think we deserve them. That's why we do that. We call it an indulgence because we feel like it's something we deserve. Hey, we worked hard. We can indulge. Do you think that's a new behavior? Really think about this before you answer it. Because it isn't. It isn't a new behavior. There is nothing new about indulgences. You've been indulging your entire life. That's what puts you in the position to need a weight loss program in the first place.
you just did it way more often than you do now. Well, that's a non-scale victory, I guess, right? Turning away from the behavior that causes you to want to indulge may end up being necessary to get to where you want to be. Now, your ability to give up indulging might be the one thing that separates you from what you really want. And then you're handed a choice, either settle for where you are or actually do the hard thing and get to where you want to be. It's not, I'm not saying that in either one is the wrong way. I'm saying it's a choice that you make. But people think they should be able to get to where they want to be by doing everything they've been doing since day one. So everything they did on day one, they should be able to do on their final day and get to the final goal weight that they've always had. They actually believe that. And with that same theology, the, the last day of school for kindergarten, the guy, the dean of Harvard should stand right next to that person and hand you your Harvard diploma. Because there's obviously no difference between getting a kindergarten di diploma and getting a Harvard diploma, right? And when you're handed that trophy for winning Pop Warner football, or Little League Baseball. The commissioners of the Major League Baseball and the NFL should be standing right next to your coach and hand you the Lombardi Trophy or the pennant. Because it's all the same. There's no difference. Well, you're crazy, Don. Of course, there's a difference between kindergarten and Harvard. But you're not acting like that when it comes to weight loss. You actually believe that what you do on day one should get you to your final day without any other things. It should work the same way. And I'm telling you that whatever you do in year one, has to go to year two and a bunch more needs to be added because it gets harder. And whatever you learn in year two has to go to year three with a bunch more that because it's that much harder in year three and four and five and so on. And you're constantly learning, you're constantly moving forward, and you're constantly having to make changes because things get more difficult as you go along. And if you ever get to a point to where you're extremely comfortable, you are simply not challenging yourself. So how much do your indulgences actually cost you? Last week, I shared an email that I received from Anne Marie. And it was blatant how much her indulgences costed her over the holiday season. 
But does anyone know, have you ever once tried to burn the exact amount of points you need to eat something you're about to indulge on? You know, they give us those extra weekly points and say that these weekly points are used in case of an emergency where you're faced in a situation where you can't really handle anything, blah, blah, blah. I completely get it. People use these points and because they're given and not earned, they never learn the true cost of what they are using them on. So this is what I want you to do. First of all, in order to do this, you need some kind of fitness tracker. A Fitbit, an Apple Watch, whatever. Something that connects with WW and lets WW know the work you've done. So one of the companies that you can sync with WW. And if you don't own one of these things yet, really, come on, it's time to get serious about your health. If you really want to get to where you really want to be, it's time to get really serious and really start analyzing the work you do. Because I'm not saying that these things are perfect and they're accurate and all that stuff, but it damn sure gives you a good enough idea of what you're doing. And right now is the perfect time. As we approach Black Friday and all these things, fitness trackers go on sale so easily at this time of year. And you can get really good deals. And maybe you don't want to spend $400 on an Apple Watch. I completely get that. But some, sometimes these Fitbits, they go as low as $99.99. Come on. Come on. We can do that. You can do that. This is about your health. And there's a bunch of numbers that come with it. When you start to learn how to use these devices, the advantages that you can take to learn at what you actually do, the work you're actually putting in. It gives you a measurement of what you do. Because so many people see these 40 extra points you receive every week and they say, oh yeah, I'll go drink a 10-point margarita. No problem. I'm sure I'm undercutting that mar- margarita. Oh, I'll go eat that 20 points worth of pizza. No worries. I got the extra weeklies. And I'm not telling you not to do it. But this doesn't teach you the true cost of what you've eaten. But I have a surefire way for you to finally learn the true cost of what you've eaten. Let's say days from now, you're going to meet a bunch of friends and you're going to a restaurant just to make the math easy because I know it's in my head. It's a pizza place. And you can see in the app that a slice of pizza, 16, 14, whatever, how many inches it is, is eight points a slice. And you know you're going to want three slices. I would love for you to attempt, it doesn't have to be in one sitting, 
You could do it in two sittings. I don't care how many days there are. Split up three days, split it up two days, whatever you want to do. If the event is two days away, go out for a walk and attempt to earn the 24 points that you're going to eat. Put some work, some sweat, and some, some actual effort into creating the points necessary to eat the food you want to eat. This is how I learned the value of my indulgence. I went out and attempted to earn the amount of points necessary to eat them. Instead of just using the points that were given to me. Go out and earn those points. Feel how much your body is sore afterwards. Feel how tired you are from the work you put in. Actually know what it feels like to put in 24 points worth of work and then go sit in front of those three slices of pizza knowing all of that work you just put in and eat them. When you can put a value like that on the food you're trying to eat, the lesson learned is more valuable than anything. When there is a work value instead of a point value, when you remember how much you sweat, when you remember how much your knees hurt, your hips hurt, your back, whatever it is, how tired you were afterwards, when you remember all of these things that it took you to earn those 24 points to sit in front of three slices of pizza, when there's a value like that to the work you're trying to do, then you will know the true cost of your indulgence. And you may just find it's not worth paying anymore. I'm not telling you you're never going to eat pizza again. I'm telling you that if you start forcing yourself to earn the points necessary to eat that pizza, you may just find that when it comes time to eat the pizza, you may not think it's worth it anymore. You may actually learn the value of saying no once in a while when you can put a work value to the food you indulge in. And that tool is extremely valuable. The work value instead of the point value, the amount of work it takes to earn that many points is a tremendous revelation in your journey. I learned it. And suddenly, every piece of food that would have been an indulgence suddenly has a different cost. Put the work in. 
earn the points necessary to face your indulgence so you know the true cost of what you do. So as I was saying earlier, anyone can easily ascertain based on the statistics I gave you that building generational wealth is far more valuable than hitting the lottery. And in the same token, you can also say building generational health is far more valuable than you simply hitting your weight loss goal. Tell me something. What good is hitting your weight loss goal if you simply end up being one of the 80% of people that gains it all back? What if instead you chased the transformation of your behavior? Could you easily say the result of you transforming your behavior is generational health? If you do everything to transform your behavior, what do you think the generations after you are going to do? Every single one of them is going to benefit from you transforming your behavior because they will only improve on what you've created. The same way the Rockefeller family enjoys the benefits of generational wealth, you will have transformed the generations that come after you because you have finally done the one thing that every generation before you was not able to do, and that is the transformation of your behavior. And that starts with discipline and achieving control of your emotions so you can control stuff as simple as indulging when you feel like you deserve indulgence because you know what half the time you indulge you don't deserve it and you know you don't none of us do instead we need to concentrate on the success of every generation after us because they are all depending on us And if we think about it in that broad spectrum, maybe, just maybe, your life has a little more value than you think it does. So you need to do what you actually need to do. You need to put the work in and actually transform your behavior because all of the generations after you are counting on you. It is time for you to take your true place in this world. I love each and every one of you. God bless you all.